Bless your name, God. And now our God be pleased to let me preach, not for vain glory and reputation, but to the end that someone might hear, believe, and be saved. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In your name I do pray, amen. Amen. If you're physically able, I'll ask that you stand for the reading of the scripture. I'm reading this morning from John chapter 20, but I'm reading it in the Living Bible, the Living Bible translation, John chapter 20. I'm going to ask that you drop down to verse, oh, let's say verse 24. One of the disciples, Thomas the twin, was not there at the time with the others. When they kept telling him, we have seen the Lord, he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands and put my fingers into them and place my hand into his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them and greeting them. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger into my hands. Put your hand into my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas said. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. But blessed or favored are those who haven't seen me and believe anyway. Look at someone right now. Just say, neighbor, believe anyway. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Look at someone else, tell them, believe anyway. Believe anyway. But blessed are those who haven't seen me and believe anyway. Ah, I could shout right there. You know, many years ago, as a young man, late 70s, mid-70s probably, my father gave me a digital watch. Uh, I was a young and inquisitive fella, and it was a beautiful watch. It had a black face. It uh, was beautiful, looked good. And this is long before smart watches became the thing. Apple had not even been invented yet, uh, much less to have an Apple smart watch. The digital watch was the thing back then. Some of y'all remember them. They were Seikos and Timexes. Those were the hot names back then. If you had a Timex, because they take a licking and keep on ticking. You, 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 would, you would take a little, uh, like an ink pen, ball pen, to set it and press it. And some of y'all know what I'm talking about. And then when you wanted to see it, you just press the little side and the numbers would show up red. Yeah, they, they, they would just show up, they would, you know. But my youthful curiosity got the best of me. And I wanted to know one question, where did the light go when you let the button loose? 
So I took it apart. Needless to say, what was beautiful became a number of parts never to function as the designer intended again. That was a watch one day, not so much the next day. What's interesting is how we seem to always need to see. I've got to be able to get the evidence of what I'm looking at. If I can't see it, it's not real. And the truth of the matter is that we have been living our entire lives with things that we have trusted, accepted, known, believed in. All of you who went through science class, you heard of atoms and protons and black holes, and none of those things had we ever seen with the naked eye. And yet, for some reason, you believe. You know, there, there have been many scientists and many things going on that we have believed over the years, and scientists have advanced the theory of black holes in the universe. And after years of research, this past April 10th, they finally succeeded in capturing an image of a black hole. And there it was. A world spinning and network of, of telescopes. The, the Event Horizon Telescope caught the picture. And here's what one scientist said. We have seen what we thought was unseeable. Another scientist said, we've been studying black holes so long, sometimes it's easy to forget that none of us have actually seen one until now. What is interesting is, and they believed anyway. They hadn't seen a black hole, but their theories and hypotheses and all of those astrophysicists believed it any way. Oh, maybe I didn't make myself clear enough. In Switzerland, there at the border of Geneva, there's what is called the Large Haldron Collider, or Collider, LHC. The LHC is the world's largest particle collider. Now what's interesting about this particle collider is that it goes around in a tunnel 17 miles in circumference there on the border. Right between France and Switzerland, not too far from Geneva, there's a big 17 mile circle of pipe going underground. Interesting about that, it's 574 feet deep. Deep. There have been over 10,000 scientists that have been working on this project. They have spent millions of dollars, all with the hope of having an atom and a proton to collide, to recreate what is thought to have been the Big Bang. Y'all stay with me for a moment. You can't see an atom. You haven't seen anything like it. But they believe. And they go forward in that belief with these tunnels swimming around these. And they collide. Bam! And they can measure the collision and how great the collision was 
I just, I just thought I'd help somebody here. What you don't realize is they believe in something they can't see. They hold on to something that is not seeable with the eye. They're holding on to what energy can do and to what matter does. Sometimes you need to realize that some things don't require your full knowledge in order for you to accept it. Let's be clear. Most of you have either used a microwave or have one in your home right now. And you heat your food and you eat it, but you've never seen a microwave. You see the box, you put something in it, You've learned over time that don't put metal in it or things go ugly. But yet you trust it. You use it. You deal with it. Most of us only ever see the effects of electricity. We don't actually see the current move. We just know when it's not moving and the lights don't come on. You've never really seen the wind. You've only seen the effects of the wind. You've seen the earth that's been pulled up by the wind. You've seen the trees that have swayed in the wind, the ocean that has been thrust forward by the wind, but you haven't really seen the wind. You've been dealing your whole life on effect, in results. And so I thought I would just share with you on this Sunday as we think of Thomas who, who has been through this experience. He has watched Jesus die on a cross. And his first response to the death of Jesus was personal isolation. His first response to a crisis was personal isolation. His first response to tragedy was personal isolation. Watch where I'm going here. Some of us have spent our lives running away from people when things go wrong, not realizing the power of fellowship, not realizing we need others in times of difficulty and in times of sorrow. We don't even realize the power that comes with being together in community. And so when Jesus shows up on the day of the resurrection, he's not there. When he shows up, he's not in place. He's not in position. And I thought I would just help somebody look at the person next to you and say, neighbor, make sure you're in position when Jesus shows up. I don't know when he's going to show up, but I want to be in position. I don't, I don't know how he's going to show up, but I want to be in position. I don't know if he'll dematerialize and then rematerialize on the other side of the door, but I want to be in position when he shows up. Thomas, he misses it. He doesn't see him. He doesn't have that opportunity. And then all of a sudden, they give him the report, and they testify to him. And Thomas says, I got some non-starters here. I need to be clear. 
these are, these are my non-negotiables. My non-negotiables in order to believe this foolishness y'all talking about is I got to see it for myself. And matter of fact, I even want to touch it. Unless I see and touch his nail print and his side, I will not believe these are, this is my non-negotiable. I got to see it for myself. And here he is. Eight days later, I want to say this to somebody. It's going to bless you right here. You know, sometimes when we lose out on a blessing, it is not that it's permanently lost. It is sometimes that we don't get it when we thought we would have gotten it because we weren't in position to receive it at the time it was initially intended to be given. Somebody went over your head. You get on the way home. Jesus shows up, and he's there. And this time he sees him. He sees him. He looks at him. And Thomas makes the declaration similar to the Shema. He says to him, my Lord and my God, I see it. It's really you. It's you. I'm excited. And Jesus looks at him as if to say, I'm glad you're happy. It's all good in the neighborhood. But I need to tell you something. Thomas, this is good. But favor is upon those who have not seen me. And yet they believe. Yeah, yeah. Favor is upon those who have not had to have an ocular demonstration in order to believe. Let me preach this thing here. The first thing I need to tell you what Jesus is trying to say is that you need to resist the temptation of relying on visual evidence. Resist the temptation of relying on visual evidence because, see, sometimes when God blesses, you're not always going to see it for yourself. You're not always going to recognize it. And some things God is doing, he's doing in the background, it'll come to the foreground in its time. Y'all missed that. Let me go another way. If you plant a seed today, you won't necessarily see anything yet. You might see a little shoot come up later on but most of the work is being done underground in the dirt most of the work is being done as the seed is breaking open and joining itself to the soil and the nutrients most of the work happens underground don't fool yourself you trying to look for an above ground sign or something that's going on underground you don't need a visual testimony you need to realize if I put my seed in good soil I'm going to reap a harvest and I need to trust that God is working it out. See, I, I need to realize that I can't rely on visual evidence. Matter of fact, that let's be clear here, sometimes what you see will fool you. 
you can get tricked by sight. Uh, I've seen some real pretty apples that were red. The skin looked tight on the outside and firm. But when you cut them open, they had a worm on the inside. You, you can get fooled by what you see on the outside. That's why sometimes you got to be careful, sister. Some of these brothers that may look firm and strong and everything tight on the outside doesn't mean they got their stuff together on the inside. You, you got to realize that some of them, if you cut them open, there's a worm and rot on the inside. Don't just get caught up on what it looked like. You got to see what's in his heart. You'd rather have an ugly man that loves you than a pretty man that beats you. You'd rather have an ugly man that cares than a pretty man that only cares for himself. You'd rather have an ugly man that wants to be there with you than a pretty man that wants to be with everybody. And brother, you'd rather have a not so good looking woman that's going to stand by your side, ride or die, than somebody that only cares about herself. Have I got fire yet? Let me, have I got fire yet? Because I need to be careful not to allow visual evidence to make me think that something is what it is not. I need to know more than that. Uh, second thing, I'm just, I'm just talking, I'm just, The, the, the second thing is you have to resist the temptation of rationalism over valuable expertise. Let me help you here. Um, when they came, he told them right away, he said, the disciples said, we have seen the Lord. He has showed up and uh, we've seen him and we are celebrating what we've seen. Okay. When he comes in, he starts rationalizing. Stay with me for a moment. I don't want to talk about the full philosophical concept of rationalism just yet, but just, just stay with me for a moment. He starts processing what appears to be the data around him. And he wants to hold to his reasoning as to why this doesn't seem to make sense. Because he just died. He was up on a cross. I saw him there. He had nails in his hands and nails in his feet. And they, they cut his side to make sure he was good and dead. Oh, he dead. He showing up dead. He dead. So it makes no logical sense that you're going to tell me you saw a dead man walking. This is not the zombie apocalypse here. You, you didn't see a... Okay, y'all, y'all. I'm, I'm trying to help somebody right here. 
You see, one of the things that Thomas helps us for and his part helps us with is his skepticism gives us the second layer of Jesus' witness on the earth realm of the reality of his resurrection. And that's great. But one of the things that the skepticism also teaches us is how you can lose out if you remain a skeptic. Inquiry is okay, but at some point, your inquiry has to yield itself to a deeper truth. And some folk have been caught up so much into inquiry, instead of doing inquiry, at some time you need to acquire something. Because if all you keep doing is to look it into stuff, you'll never get anything for yourself. Let, let me help you, let me help you. I'm, I'm inquiring about a new car. Cute. Tell me when you get a car. <laughs> but Vernon, y'all help me right here. But said, look, yo, don't tell me you just go inquire, sign the paperwork. Listen, you've got to find yourself moving from inquiry into truth and getting an understanding. And when Thomas got a hold of truth, he said, wait a minute, I no longer need to inquire. I no longer need to ask anybody else. Let me testify with those who were testifying eight days ago. This is him, my Lord and my God. At some point, you need to get to the place where you have your own testimony. I have seen the Lord, and this is him, my Lord and my God. Okay, I, I got to close. I got to close. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. He, uh, he's there. But there's one last thing that gets a hold of me. Because... I need to resist the temptation of realism over victorious experience. Realism over victorious experience. Okay. I see some of y'all looking at me kind of strange, so let me make it funky for just a moment. Yeah. Watch this. Sometime, sometime, you can waste so much time talking about God and never experience God. And you can assert issues about God and start talking about theology and soteriology and epistemology and hermeneutics. You can get so deep and start talking about God. Or you can get to a place where you can get to know God. And what Thomas figured out was there is a place you can get where you can see him for yourself. Not with your visual eyes, but in the eyes of your spirit. And in that place, you can come to know him and the reality of who he is. And so what Thomas wants you to know is, don't waste a whole lot of time trying to figure this thing out. You need to go with the flow and know that God is already working it out. Okay. 
come here one, one moment. Thomas says, I've had an experience. I've seen him for myself. But some of you in this church right now have also had some victorious experiences. And in your victorious experiences, you could testify to someone right now that you've been sick, but the Lord has healed you. Maybe that's not everybody's testimony, but, but somebody in here can tell somebody, I've been down, and the Lord has raised me up. Maybe that's not your testimony, but somebody up in here might be able to tell somebody that I was on the outside, but the Lord brought me inside. I don't know why, but I just feel like preaching here. Somebody in here might be able to tell somebody, I've been old and I felt some experiences that wouldn't be right, but the Lord has kept me and I got a David testimony. I once was young, but now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken. No, is she begging bread? Look at somebody say, neighbor, you may be going through, but believe anyway. Believe anyway. I don't care what the doctors have said. Believe anyway. I don't care what the lawyer may have said. Believe anyway. I don't care if you're already in a divorce court. Believe anyway. I don't care if your case is up pending right now. Believe anyway. Look at somebody say, neighbor, I've been through the storm and the rain, but I made it because I believed anyway. To believe anyway is to believe in the midst of the storm when all hell breaks loose and things ain't going well. I got to hold on to God's unchanging hand. I, 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 I know how to trust in Him, I know how to hold on to Him. I know uh, in whom I have believed. Uh, I hold on to uh, faith uh, is the substance uh, of things hoped for uh, and the evidence uh, of things not seen. Uh, I don't need to see it, uh, but my faith. Uh, uh, my faith. High five somebody. Tell them believe anyway. Don't give up. Don't give in. Believe anyway. Don't let go. Believe anyway. Hold on. Believe anyway. Don't hold on. Believe anyway. 